Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Gimel in Maseches Psachim. We're catching up to Lamed Gimel. We're 13 lines up from the bottom of Lamed Bez, Lamed Bez, where it says, V'af Rav Papa Hader Bey. Rav Papa himself, okay, had actually retracted his statement. What was the statement? To Yufta. Rav Papa himself had a statement before where he said, Abba Shol, Remember, you might recall that we were talking about whether truma, um, when you have to return, what's the amount? Remember, there's a pasuk in the actual Torah that says that if you eat a certain amount of truma and you're not entitled to because you're not a Kohen, not only do you have to repay the Kohen for the truma that you ate because it was, suppo- it was supposed to go to him, but you also have to pay a Chomesh. However, this transgression, this and and this added knas of a chomesh, uh, when does it get triggered? So there was a machlokas. Does it get triggered um, when you have at least a shava pruta, or does it get triggered when, which is the position of abashol, or does it trigger get triggered from a kezayis? We learned it from the two different words in the psukim, the pasuk that says that mentions achila implies a kezayis, the pasuk that mentions a shava pruta. Um, the prospect that says venasan rather when it talks about that, that it's a monetary transaction that implies a shavapruta which is the smallest monetary form and it was Rav Papa there for afterwards that says that really Abashol doesn't necessarily have to hold one or the other but Abashol tartiboy he said that he actually requires both conditions and uh, he had said that in order to reconcile Abashol with a brysa okay but at the but at that point we had a tiyufta on uh, Rav Papa, and we said that it can't be that Rav Shaul holds both of the kezayis and the shavapruta approach at the same time, and we uh, and we're now saying that Rav Papa himself retracted this view that Rav Shaul holds both of the shavapruta and the kezayis. So this is where we pick up the proof itself. It's going to take some time, and we're going to learn a lot along the way. So what is this? How do we know Rav Papa um, himself retracted? As follows. This is with regards to uh, the concept of Me'ila, which we discussed before. Misappropriation of Hekdesh things is an Isser, and it says as follows in the Brisa, the Tanya. Bechata bishgaga, right? These are the Psukim that refer to Me'ila. So let's say, if you did... Me'ila, you committed this transgression of Me'ila b'shogeg. You bring, the Pasuk says, I'll finish off the Pasuk for you because it's just saying the first two words. Bechata b'shgaga says the actual Pasuk, Nefesh kitim ol ma'al, which is Me'ila. Bechata b'shgaga mikot Hashem bevis asham ma'ola Hashem. So you see that you bring a korban asham. It's one of the cases where you don't bring a korban chatas but a korban asham. Ayal Tamim, then it describes the Korban Asham. Okay, so the Pasuk there in Vayikra describes a person, he's doing Me'ila B'Shogeg, and he brings a Korban Asham. Very nice. Says the Gemara, Prat Lemezid. So certainly, right, when it talks about Me'ila, and it says that you have to bring a Korban Asham, it's excluding somebody who does Me'ila on purpose. That individual is not going to bring a Korban at all. So only if you, right, and we're used to this from Sechah Shabbos, right, um, where you bring the korban chatas when you do the b'shogeg. So here you bring the korban when you do the me'ila b'shogeg. Okay, well, and if you do... If they have an exclusion, isn't that a general rule? That any time you do b'shogeg, you bring a 
So 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 Barry says, isn't that always true? That if you don't do a show, that, that when you do things bemazed, you never bring a carbon? That you don't get the benefit. Uh, this is a question that Tosfos is going to be asking. Um, over here uh, is basic, basically that's Tosfos's question. This last Tosfos along with Bezim and Bez, which is when, when do we ever? And Tosfos explains it uh, is more nonplus than you, Barry, in a sense, because Tosfos says it in a lotion of Tema, Hihanosenes. We're going to see. So you got you got a little bit ahead of us. We're, we're going to develop it, and we'll see. Maybe we can find an answer. Um, because the truth of the matter is, we're going to need a little bit more proof um, from the pasuk. And so we're going to see why the Pusuk is necessary. But that's an excellent question. Typically, right, we're going to see a Kalvachomer now, and that's what Tosfos asks the question on the Kalvachomer, right? In other words, we already know, because we've already learned, that sometimes B'mezid, in other words, the Korban is a Schus, the Korban is a Kapara, right? So if you do B'shogeg, you get your Kapara, and then you're sort of even Stephen, you're, right? However, if you do B'mezid, you don't get the benefit of a Korban. Right, and so that's why perhaps when you do averas bemeza, you generally don't bring a korban. So let's see uh, how this plays out. Okay, so at this stage, however, in the Gemara, the Gemara says v'halo dinhu. Can't you make a kavachomer? Why do you need the pasuk? They're asking from the other direction. Why do you need a pasuk to know that you would need? Uh, why do you need the pasuk? Shouldn't you be able to figure out from a kavachomer that you? That you don't bring a korban asham for meila b'mezid. How so? As it says, Uma shar mitzvah shechiv b'hem kares poter poter b'hem es amezid. Similar, similar to the question of of Barry. This is basically the Gemara is asking what in every other case, all other mitzvahs. If you're chay of kares, not really mitzvahs, right? But averus. If you're chay of kares. Then poter is amazing. We know that all those other chive karis, you're not chayav amazing. When you do it, you don't get a korban when you bring it amazing. Me'ila she'ein ba karis, eno din she'pater is amazing, right? So me'ila, which is even less than karis, wouldn't you say there certainly that you're going to be pater from korban when you do it amazing? So a couple of things here. First of all, you could have sort of asked the question the way Barry did. Right, you could have said, well, we never bring a korban when we do b'mezid. We only, right, when you have a chiyuve kares, you only bring a korban when you do b'shogig. You don't bring a korban when you do b'mezid. For whatever reason, and we'll get, circle back to this, for whatever reason, the Gemara is saying it like a kava chomer, that by isure kares, you don't bring a korban when you do b'mezid. But over here, mi'ila, it's not an isur kares, it's an, it's misi Uh, so the other, Aspect of this kavachomer is an assumption that misa shamaim is less is a less severe penalty than kares, which is actually something which in itself we're going to question. So we have to take it step by step over here. Few moving parts. Okay, so we move forward. In the meantime, we're saying kind of like what Barry said, which is that in all other mitzvos and averos, really kares, you don't bring a carbon bemezid. Here too, by Me'ila, you shouldn't bring a carbon b'mezid. The only thing is, the only difference is that the Gemara is structuring it like a kavachomer. It says the Gemara, Lo im amarta bishar mitzvah shekein lochiv behen misa. Toimer b'me'ila shekhiv b'misa. What the Gemara is saying here is, wait a minute. Which is worse? Kares or misa b'de shemaim? Kares, you don't really get, it's not really misa, right? It's just kind of like cut off, truncated, if you will. Misa is actual misa. So maybe misa is worse. 
And so at this stage, the Gemara is assuming that because Misa is worse, then the fact that you get Chiv Misa Bidesh from Ela, maybe you would still also get a carbon Bimezid. Okay, so says the Gemara, Talmud Lomar Bishgaga Prat Lamezid. So according to this stage in the Gemara, that's why you need the Pasuk. Simply, perhaps because of the fact the Meila is more Chamar, as indicated by the fact that you get actual a death penalty, albeit Midei Shemaim, so maybe perhaps that would indicate that you would have to bring a Korban Asham when you do it B'mezid. Okay. So now, concerning that particular Brisa, we have the following idea. There he is again. He's all over Psachim. This Tana Right, in the beginning, sounds like he thinks that Kares, right, he wants to make a Kabachomer, right? This Brisa is an internal contradiction. In the beginning, it makes it sound like Kares is more severe than Misa de Shemaim. Ulvasov Alimale Misa. And at the end, it says, La Imabrishar Mitzvah, so Chaybe Misa. So basically, what Nachman is pointing out to Chir Bar Avin is that our Brisa has an internal contradiction, whereas in the beginning, it sounds like Kares is more Chomer than Misa de Shemaim. At the end, it sounds like Misa B'day Shemaim is more severe than Kares, and therefore, let's just analyze this for a minute. Which is it? Which is more Chamer? Kares or Misa B'day Shemaim? So, the Amar Lei, so Rav Avin, when Rav Nachman Yitzchak pointed out, this out to him, says the following, Hachi Kamar, Lo im Amr's Bishar Mitzvah Shekein L'chiyah B'in Misa B'pachas Mikazayis, Tomer B'mi'ila Shekhiyah B'in Misa B'pachas Mikazayis? Okay, so Rav Avin took it in a totally different direction. He said, no, 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 this was not a discussion as to which is more chamar. There's something missing here in the b'risa, and I'll explain to you what it meant. It says that in regards, right, to all other myth, all other, other, other veros, you are not chayiv, right, certainly ones that involve achila, right, all those chayiv kares, you're only going to be chayiv misa when you actually have a kazayis. However, Mi'ila is unique in another way, which is Shechiva Misa B'pachas Mikazayas. Right? In other words, right? It's, it's Chayiv Misa even when you have less than a Kazayas, which means that it's even more Chamar. So in other words, Mi'ila is clearly unique. So we can only learn from the Pasuk that you would not bring a Korban when you do it B'mezid, not, right, from a comparison to any other mitzvahs, because all other mitzvahs require Kazayas, and clearly Mi'ila's Pachas sounds like with less than a Kazayas. Okay, the Amarle, just continuing this, so when Rav Nachman Yitzchak heard that, he said, re- responded to Rav Avin, Tanuach daitcha sheinachta daiti, may you be blessed with peace of mind because you just put my mind at ease. The Amarle, my nichusa. To which Rav Avin said, wait, that put your mind at ease? That was a terrible pshat. The rubber of Narga. When Rav when I said this pshat to Rabbi Varsheshes, they, they ate me alive. They swung an axe at this pshat and shattered it to pieces. Okay. Man shmat laid the Amar. Okay. Uh, as we arrive at Lama Gimad, Lama Gimad Amad Aleph, and Rashi explains this, what he's about to say at the beginning of Lama Gimad Amad Aleph was the, was the axe. This is the hammer Rabbi Rosheshish threw at the pshat. Again, the pshat was that Afkir Bahavan is saying that by by other Averos, you need a Kazais, and by Me'ila, you don't need a Kazais. This put Rav Nachman Yitzchak at ease, but agitated Rav Sheshis and Rabbah to no end. They struck with an axe as follows. They said, Hezid b'me'ila b'misa. Rebihi, right? They said that a person who did Me'ila on 
right, on purpose, Khalila. So that is the opinion of Rebbe. How do we know? Detanya, because we learned in Brisa, Hazid bin Meila, Rebbe Omer bin Misa, Bechachamim Omer Hara. Right? So that in itself is a machlokas. The machlokas as to what the punishment is for Meila b'mezid is in fact a machlokas Rebbe and Chachamim. The Chachamim say you just get like Azhara, that the Pasuk is telling you that, you're, that it's Asr to do, but it's not indicating Misib de Shemaim in any way. So here, continuing this refutation of the beautiful shot of Rav Chiyabar Avin, Rabban Rav Sheshis continued as follows. Okay, so it's Rebbe holds that you don't get Misib de Shemaim. My time at the Rebbe, what was his reason? Ama Rabbi Abau Gamar Chet Chet Mitruma. He learns the Halacha from Truma. Ma truma b'misa. Well, the word chait appears both in Meila and in truma. So the two are somehow connected. And they're connected, and thus they're connected in halacha as follows. Truma gets misa b'de shemaim. Af meila b'misa. And misa also is going to get, is going to get, um, b'de shemaim. Did I say that Rebbe holds that he get misa b'de shemaim? Yes. In other words, this is what Rev Sheshis and, and, um, Held that it's Rebbe that holds that you get Misa Bidei Shemaim. So, and Rebbe is learning it from this. Truma gets Misa Bidei Shemaim. Truma has the word Chet in it. Meila has the word Chet in it. And therefore, Af Meila B'Misa. Meila also gets Misa Bidei Shemaim. Umina. And we further also learn that Ma Truma B'Kazais, Af Meila B'Kazais. That Meila also requires a Kazais. Okay. So this is why the Pshat of Avchir Avin, this is where Rashi says is the hammer, this is where the pshat of Achiba Avin falls apart because the very, right, the very source, Rebbe, who holds that Misa is Bidei Shemaim, happens to also hold that in order to be Chayav Misa, for Meila Bidei Shemaim, for Meila, you need to have a Kazais. So the whole proof that Rebbe Avin had Rabbi Avin had was that Meila, Yachayav Misa Bidei Shemaim, but you even Chayav for it, Bepachos Mikazais. But Rav Sheshis, right, came in here. Rabbi and Rav Sheshis came in and they said, what are you talking about? The Shita of Rebbe, which says that Yechai Misa Bidei Shemaim against the Rabbanon, is the very Shita who learns from the very same source that you're only Chai Bikazayas, so the entire thing falls apart. So the Gemara then says, now, that Rav Papa, how did Rav Papa defend? Again, Rav Papa is always defending ever since Brachos. So we have Rav Nachem Ba'itzchak and Psachem, we have Rav Papa. Okay. How did Rav Papa defend Rav Chiyabar Avin? As follows, Umat Kifla Rav Papa. Rav Papa tried to come save the day and he says, Mimai de Rebbe Kerbanan Svirlei. How do we know the Rebbe holds like the Rabbanan? Dilma Ke'aba Shol Svirlei. Ah, going back to the Machlokas Rebbe and Abashol with regards to whether the Chiyav of Truma is by a Shavar Pruta or by a Kezayis. Don't forget, we have to hold cup, right? That we're having a discussion about Me'ila. And we're saying that we're learning Me'ila from, right, from Truma. And we're, and there, and thus we're saying that Rabban Rav Sheshes they attacked Rav by Abba, right? Because they said that from the very source of Truma, that's Misei B'dei Shemaim, is also the source of Truma that's a Kezayis. But Rav Papa says, wait a minute. This idea that Truma is a Kezayis is in itself a Machlokas. It's a Machlokas Abba Shaul and Rabbanon. And Abba Shaul held that the Machlokas is 
that, that the shita is that in order to be chayiv for the truma, the misappropriation of the truma, or rather the, in order to be chayiv the chomish for truma, I should say, then you only, you don't need a kazais, you only need a shavapruta, which is a smaller shear. So it could be that we're bringing back Rav Chiyabar Avin's pshat. We're saying Rav Chiyabar Avin is learning that that, that he's learning that truma is chayv misa bide shemaim, even when it's less than a kazais. And that, in fact, would be true then of me'ila as well. If you hold like Abba Shol within truma, you can extend that to me'ila, and you could say, right, that me'ila is chayv misa bide shemaim also when it's me'ila bepachas mikazais. And by, by making that analogy and putting the pshat of Abba Shol within truma, Rav Papa is saving Rav Chiyabar Avin's pshat. So that's what Rav Papa says, that Amar Shiesh B'Shav Pruta Afal Gav Deleis Bekezayis. But wait a minute. If that, in fact, is going to be Rav Papa's defense of Chir Avin, he just blew his other shot before that said that in order to be Chayev for Mi'ila, in order to be Chayev, you have to have what? Both a Shavapruta and a Kezayis. Rather, when I, I, I didn't, when I said Me'ila, I just meant Truma again. So he says, Papa who However, it was Rav Papa himself who said that Abba Shaul needed both requirements in order to be Chai of the Chomish, right, for the eating of Truma. As follows, that, right, that's what we said before, Elish Mamina Hadarba. So again, circling it back, the very fact that Rav Papa can defend of Chiyabar Avin's Pshat by saying that Abba Shaul holds that you're chayev for, right, for, to, to bring the chomish in a shavapruta, which is less than a kazais, that would only make sense if a papa retracted his statement that our Abba Shaul requires you to have both a kazais and a shavapruta. It must mean that Rapapa now holds, uh, I guess we presume that this conversation with Rapapa defending of Chirba Avin took place after his analysis of Abba Shaul and therefore, the final analysis of Abba Shal, according to Rav Papa, is the way it looks on paper, which is that the Chachamim hold that in order to be Chai of the Chomesh for Truma, you need to have a Kazais, and Abba Shal simply holds that it needs to only be a Shavar Puta. Wow, what a journey. Okay, so now we're 10 lines down, Lam Gimel Amr Aleph, okay? And we're going to have a discussion, right? Because we already mentioned this, machlok, this uh, conversation of Nakam Yitzchak Kheber Avin. Right? We're going to now have two more solutions to Rav Nachman Bayitzchak's question. Whew, do we remember what it was still? What Rav Nachman Bayitzchak's question was? Let me remind you. Which is more severe? Karis or Misa Bidei Shemaim? So, um, I, I was thinking to Birnbaum, I said, it's obvious which is more severe. He said, which, which one is it? Obvious. And then I couldn't, I couldn't figure out which one was obvious. So I guess it's not that obvious. Okay, so Karis versus Misa Bidei Shemaim. Which is a more Chamer? See, because kares is, is for, is halila for the transgressor and the, their offspring. And it affects them. Misabide Shemaim, however, is more definitive, but it's only for the transgressor. These are the kind of... Between life sentence and life sentence without parole. Yeah, life sentence without parole. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Interesting. Marbereder Abana Amar. So, let's see. Two more answers to, to this idea of Nachman Yitzchak, of which is more, which is more Chamer. Marbari de Rabbana Amar, Mar, the son of Rabbana said, Hachi Kamar. This is what exact, this is what the Bryce was actually trying to say, right? This is again, the idea of whether we can learn Me'ila from anything else. So it's really more the, the conversation of why do we need the Pasuk 
to teach you, right? Why do we need the Pasuk to teach you that Meila is different? Says the Gemara, Lo im amrit bishar mitzvah shalasabahen Okay, this is what we're basically bringing up here is why is Meila distinct? Again, if Meila can be compared to other mitzvahs, so then it should just have the same thing, bringing it back to Barry's point. It should just have the same, um, the same, the same halachas, other mitzvahs, all other mitzvahs, when you do it the mazid, you don't have to bring a, a korban. So, me'ila, if we prove that it's totally distinct, then we're gonna say, we're not gonna know exactly what the halacha is when you do it b'mezid, and we're gonna need a pasuk. But if it's going to be similar to other mitzvahs, then we could just learn it from other mitzvahs. So here's another difference between me'ila and other mitzvahs. Other mitzvahs, shalasabayin shayin miskavin kemiskavin means that other mitzvahs, and regarding to specifically, let's say, Shabbos. Shabbos, you, you have to, right, we say, when we learn Masecha Shabbos, you're Asr B'davr Shemiskavin, right? Because Melechas Machsheves Asr Torah, as Rashi explains. So when you're Chayv Melechas Machsheves, it means that a Davr Shein Miskavin, as we said, it's going to be a different halacha. Says the case in, over here, in the Gemara, She'im Niskavin Lachtoches Atalosh, Vechatoches Amechubar Shepater, right? So, um, Barry is sitting in his dining room. He has a beautiful orchard outside and he's having his Waldorf salad with the apples in it and he's using a fork and knife because he is a gentleman after all and he's eating it in an elegant fashion and he's cutting it and he thinks that the apples have been plucked from the tree but lo and behold, it's really from the orchard outside. The apple is literally sitting in his bowl but it's still connected outside. So he had inadvertently cut something Right, He meant to cut something that was already detached from the ground. He had intention to cut something. He was trying to cut off, let's say, the stem of the apple in his Waldorf salad, but he didn't realize that that stem of the apple was still connected to the tree outside. So that is an Avera of Talush, right? You're not allowed to pluck apples off the tree. And therefore, in that case, it was completely inadvertent, right? The action of cutting was intentional, but certainly the action of cutting an apple off the tree was not his intention at all. And of course, as a consequence, he's going to be exempt. He's not going to have to bring even a korban chatas. Okay. So that is totally inadvertent. However, So you say, how about chulin? How about meila? Are you going to say the same thing? You're going to say the case, well, what would be a comparable case? So let's say you wanted to warm yourself with a coat and you thought that that coat coat belonged uh, to you, that you bought it at Nordstrom's. But instead, you ended up warming yourself with something that was uh, made out of a Corbin Ola that was supposed to go to the base of Mikdash. So that would be certainly Me'ila, regardless of your intent. You thought you were putting on a regular fur coat, but you're putting on a coat that was misappropriated. So it's the same thing, right? Barry is similar. Well, in this case, we're not going to say Barry because, but the bottom line is, the individual who does something bishogeg completely on Shabbos is putter even from a korban chatas. But with regards to me'ila, we don't say that. With regards to me'ila, you're chayev, even if you don't have intent. It sounds like me'ila is more chamer in the sense that your intent does not matter. Only your misappropriation matters, right? Because after all, it's sort of like the desecration of that korban Ola, right, of that thing which was appropriated for the base of Mikdash took place regardless of your intention. So we see here another reason why Me'ila is different because it's totally Asr even Bishogeg. A truly uh, important concept by Me'ila. So if that's the case, 
then again, we would see the me'ilah is different than other mitzvahs. So maybe that in itself answers Barry's question. Barry's like, when do we ever see that you can bring a korban b'mezid? So the answer embedded here is simply, me'ilah is a totally different animal. When do you ever see that you're chayev for something when you have no intention to do it whatsoever? So me'ilah is just a different animal. So once you say that me'ilah is a different animal, anything could be true. And once you say anything could be true, so you might even bring a korban b'mezid. These are the answers that we're saying now to Rav Nachem Yitzchak. Okay. And now, in the final answer, Rav Nachum Yitzchak is giving an answer on himself. It's very similar to the answer we just said, but uh, with a twist, an even bigger chiddush. Says Rav Nachum Yitzchak Amar in the Gemara, Hachi Kamar. Before we said Now we're saying misasek. As my Rebbe, Rebbe Safer used to say, you don't have a kavanah uh, to do the maisa. Misasik, you don't even have kavanah to do the pu'ula, which is to say, Barry has, or whoever it is, has the Waldorf salad. They don't even intend to cut the apple. They're not even intending to do a cutting action at all. And yet for mi'ila, you'd be chayev. Amazing. As follows. She says the Gemara, Right? All you try to do is pick up an apple. You think it's totally already off the tree. So you had no intention of cutting, as opposed to lachtoch. Right? You're just literally picking up an apple. Uh, completely no, 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 um, no intention for the Avera and not even intention for the action that would bring about the Avera. Certainly you're going to be putter. That's called misasek. Okay. Obviously there's iun here. Uh, if you, you know, when you look in the Mepharshim, you can go very deep here as to what a Davashayn Miskaven is. Is this the usual Davashayn Miskaven that we talked about in Mesecha Shabbos? This sounds like it's you write, this sounds like it's a very, very much an inadvertent thing, such that you're not even chayev b'chatas, which you normally are for a shogeg. And how deep and how, um, how deep do you extend the definition of misasik versus davashenu miskavein? Right? This, this you could spend months on. But for our purposes, we're going to say that the davashenu miskavein, again, is when you had no intention for what we call the misa. In other words, you had intention to cut, but certainly not to cut off an apple of a tree on Shabbos. Uh, Misa being defined as something that also has the halachic implication embedded in it, as opposed to when you're trying to just pick up an apple, you didn't even have a, a an intention for the pa'ula. The actual physical act of cutting, you didn't even have an intention. And certainly that would be even more removed. And certainly you would think that there, you'd be certainly putter for Shabbos where you need melechas machshevas. But not only that, even there, it turns out that you're chayev from Ela. Wow. So even for misasik, you didn't even intend, let's say, to put on a coat or whatever the, right, the analogy would be. And somehow you find yourself wearing a coat and being warmed by, uh, by a fur coat that was supposed to be a carbon ola. So we, even with zero intention whatsoever, you're chayev me'ila. As the Gemara continues to say, Toma be'ila shim hoshit yodu lichli little chayfits, right? This is the example that the Gemara gives that you, Right, you reach your hand into a vessel, you're trying to get the keys to the Acura, right? Instead, turns out, that's not where you kept the keys, that's where you kept the oil that was supposed to go to the base of Mikdash. Right, it's 5.15 in the morning, or in Andrew's case, he comes here at 2.30 in the morning. So it's 2.30 in the morning, Andrew's disoriented, he sticks his hand into the, the uh, vessel where he usually keeps his keys, and instead, turns out that's where he keeps his oil. Wouldn't you know? That would be, uh, we should only be zoche to have the oil of the base of Mikdash, uh, restored bimher be'amenu. And when we are, we're gonna be careful. Cause if, if you did that, one would be high from Ela. Cause sure enough, you've oiled up your hands and you've gotten the benefit of the moisturizer. That 
is going to what? Incur a chiv me'ila. Amazing. Even without any intention whatsoever. And so me'ila, we see, is certainly singularly unique. And therefore, who's to say whether you're chayef for a korban uh, when you do it b'mezid? So 14 lines up um, from the bottom. That's the end of that discussion. And in that discussion, we learned a lot about me'ila. And now we know why me'ila would require a pasuk specifically to teach you that you do not Right, you need a pasuk to teach you that you do not get a uh, korban even when you do it b'meizin. Now, yesterday we had a throw-in comment, as we—that's what we called it. That was a little off topic, and we're going to come back and we're going to analyze it further. What was the topic? The topic was: Can you take off truma on something which is chametz on Pesach? In other words, right, you're taking off truma and you're supposed to give it to the coin. Right, the whole concept of truma is you have your produce, you take. A portion of your produce, be it a 40th to, fit to a 60th, whatever it is, and you're going to give your truma to the Kohen. And, and we see it's a sort of like a financial obligation that you have to the Kohen, because if you eat it yourself, you're going to be chayev as if you were stealing it from him. However, the question is, can you even take off truma from something which is chametz on Pesach? What we said yesterday was the truma had to have been taken off either before Pesach, or in a more unique case, he took the truma off when it was not yet chametz on Pesach itself, and then after you took the truma off, it leavened and became chametz. But you cannot take truma off on chametz. Why not? So the Gemara is now going to tell us the source for that. So it says Amar Mar, we're just going to requote ourselves to reorient ourselves. That you had to be mafresh truma. We're going to say this is actually taking place on Pesach. It had to have been not yet right. Chametz, and then after you were mafresh truma, it became chametz. Aval hifresh chametz truma, right? But to be mafresh truma in a chametz state, different akol in a kadosha. Everybody agrees that you cannot do so. You cannot take off truma for something which is already chametz. Where do we learn this? Says the Gemara. Mina animili. What's the source? Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak, son of a gun. There he is again. Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak. Amar kra. The pasuk says titen lo. Right. The pasuk which talks about truma. Says that you should give it to him. You should give it to the Kohen. Okay. Titan lo. You should give it to him in a what? Usable state. Velola uro. You're not supposed to be giving it to the Kohen's garbage can or to the Kohen's, or the Kohen's bonfire, as it were. It's, but in the, in other, this is another way of saying it's supposed to be a value to him. Right? You show up on Pesach, uh, with your Twinkie Truma. He's going to say, thanks for nothing. What am I going to do with this? Right? He can't have Chomets on Pesach. And so Titan lo means, at the time that you are mafresh, it has to be of value to the coin. And chametz on Pesach is of no value to the coin. That is the source that you can't be mafresh chametz truma on Pesach. However, the Gemara challenges this. Masiv Ravuna Bereder of Yeshua. Ain tormin minatamea Okay. Let's follow this Mishnah from Trumos, which says, when you, when you, when you separate out truma, okay, so you're not allowed to separate, right? You can't say, okay, I have a pile. One pile is tahor, one pile is tameh. I'm going to be a wise guy. I'm going to take the truma off of my tameh truma, right? Out of my tameh produce. Uh, that's certainly less valuable than tar produce, right? Because the coin could eat the tar produce. But it says over there in truma, right, in the Mishnayas, in, in trumos, that you cannot separate the truma from your tameh pile. However, However, if you did separate it out inadvertently, so bedi eved, that would count as truma. 
and the rest of your Torah pile would be, right, gemeistered, so to speak, right? It would, it would actually be valid as taking off truma. It wouldn't be tevel anymore. And asks, and so according to Rav Nachman B'Yitzchak, whatever, v'amai, lema lo v'lola uro. Right? If you have this idea of Rav Nachman B'Yitzchak, that the truma has to have value to the Kohen, then why are we saying the B'dieved, this Tameh truma would suffice, would work as truma? It shouldn't even be good B'dieved, because after all, the, what's the coin going to do with this tummy truma? So the Gemara answers low kosher. That's not so difficult. Because ha'asam ha'isel o'shasa kosher, ha'achalo ha'isel o'shasa kosher. When the Pasuk says that you're supposed to be separating something that has value to the coin, it's not very specific about when it's supposed to have value. This tummy truma had a moment where it was not tummy, and therefore it had value at some point. And so the Pasuk isn't specific as to when it's supposed to have value. So maybe with regards to Tumor Tumeah, that would be okay because at some point it did have value. However, certainly the Chametz never had value. What does that mean that the Chametz never had value? The Protus never had a moment of, of value. So it says like this. That's what Gemara is going to ask now. So well, this, is the, this is the question of Huna ben Rav Yeshua as follows. What are you saying? How are you saying that this Chametz Truma never had any value could go to Achmitz b'mechubar. The only way that that would make sense is if you said that it became chametz while it was still attached to the ground. This gets into matzah shmura. When do you start, right? Uh, when do you start watching this matzah shmura matzah? When do you start watching it? You start watching it, right? We have these chaburos, right? The minhagagra. Uh, Ooh, it's recalling now. Um, I think, I can't remember if this is Ari Leibowitz or Shalom Rosner, both tremendous Tafyomi giants. They are pointing out that the Chaye Adam quotes the Gra and a lot of the Minhai Gra, we only learn from the Chaye Adam. Anyway, be that as it may, these Chaburas of watching to make sure that no moisture gets even on your wheat, right? At what point? Bishas Ketzira, before Bishas Ketzira, right? It gets further and further. It's not Meikar Adin, but that certainly you can see why they would point it out here because we're saying that what? Achmitz b'mechubar. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of amazing, right? That's something that the wheat can become chametz while it's still attached to the ground. That is very, right? You would not necessarily have known that. Anyway. Aval achmitz betalosh hachinami dekacha. Well, in other words, why do we need to say that the wheat can become chametz even when it's still attached to the ground? Because if you say that it can only become chametz once it's detached, then it too has a moment where it was usable. The tavua has a moment when, when it was usable. So, right, so, that's, so that was the, uh, the question on that. So to which Nachman Yitzchak responds, Amalei, no, yes, in. That is in fact the case I'm talking about. I'm talking about the case where the chametz did become, right, did become chametz while it was attached to the ground. So in other words, this whole conversation, right, of titan love, lola oro, this whole idea of mafresh truma mechmitza, that, con- that whole discussion was only in a case where the wheat became chametz while it was still attached to the ground. When you say that, that's when you can't be mafresh truma for the Kohen, right, um, on Pesach, because it's already chametz, because it didn't have a shas hakosher. But if it had a, had a shas hakosher, then it would be okay. Rav Nachman was so incredibly fond of this pshat, was so enamored by his own pshat over here, that he said the following, In, that's exactly what the Bryce is referring to, and, This is, he was so, inspi- he was so inspired by this pshat, that he quoted the Pasuk of Daniel that says, 
um, to quote the article, the matter has been decided in my favor by decree of angels and the ruling by the word of the holy ones, which is a way of saying, I love this pshat. And not only that, but everyone based Medrash held of this pshat. This is the best pshat in the world. Uh, this was not convincing to Ravuna, the son of uh, Ben Rabbi Yeshua. <laughs> Ravuna, however, Kiyasa Ravuna Brader Yeshua, right, when, when he and, and the Gemara and the, um, some, some version take out this, this, um, this, these words just to say, where did he go? But the point is, what? Oh, the Neil Nebuchadnezzar, we're talking about Asar Batavis is coming up. Yes, we're going to say, we're going to say calendrical coincidence. Isn't it amazing how, how often this comes up? Incredible. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Hashem wanted us to learn this cycle, it seems. Okay. So as we turn to Lamed Gimel Lamed Bez, which is at, at the auspicious time of 613, which in itself is not a calendrical coincidence, but like a timing coincidence, Amar, so this is what he said. So the following. Rav Huna Yeshua said the following. Amar Kra Rashis. Okay, hold on. When you talk about Truma, you say Rashis, right? You're the first of your grain. Now, what does that mean? That means that you're supposed to be separated out for Truma a certain part of your grain that can then be considered distinct from the rest of your grain, right? It's, it's, it's special in some way. And you're separating it out, which means that everything was on even ground and then it was separated out. Says, right? So how do you explain this? As follows. Shashiarea nikarin le'israel. Right? The only way, the only way that truma works, of Hunabrader Yeshua says, is if the rest of the truma can be distinguishable as being valid for a regular Yisrael. Okay? Which is to say, if you separate out truma and the remaining is not even fit for Yisrael, so then that is not going to be Right, fulfill the requirement of truma, as the Gemara says, yatztazo to exclude this idea where the whole produce is chametz on Pesach and you can't use it. Sheint sheyareni karin, right? In other words, the rest of it is also it's not nikarin, right? This svara, by the way, it totally disregards the shasakosher, right? In other words, if Nachman Yitzchak loved his shasakosher vart, Rav Huna says a much different vart. He means it has to be distinguishable using this pasuk of Rashi's to say it has to be distinguishable as being Aser versus that which is Mutter to Yisrael. Well, if Chametz is not Mutter to Yisrael, then it's not distinguishable. And therefore, that's the reason why you can't be Mafrish Truma from Chametz on Pesach. Ah, okay, fine. That is the end of that discussion. We're going to go back to Mulberry Street. Yesterday, Goranowitz pointed out that the berries that we decided were berries, uh, were mulberries, according to the art scroll. So we're going to go back to that discussion. And we're going to, uh, as follows. This is the second section of that price. Yosef of Acha Bar, okay, but we just finished that, that discussion with regards to Truma, two different shot. And one was Shah Sakosher, and the other one was Rashis. And again, Rav Chir, Rav Huna Bereder of Shur liked that Rashis shot better. Okay. Yosef of Acha Bar, Rav Abaya, Kabeder of Chista. Okay, Rav Acha Bar Abaya was sitting for Rav Chisav Yosef Avram Mishmeder Rav Yochanan. He quoted the great giant from Eretz Yisrael Rav Yochanan the following halacha: Anavim shenitmeu. Okay, you have grapes; they became tamei. Dorchan pachos pachos mikebetsa v'yeinan kasher l'nasachim. Amazing, amazing. What can you do? You could still, despite the grapes being tamei, you could somehow still make wine out of it and use that said wine 
for the Nesachim of the base of How so? You can't use Tame wine in the base of Mikdash? No. It's because you're taking the juice, Pachos, Pachos, Mikibetza. You're taking the juice, each individual grape, right, is less than a Kibetza, which means that in each individual grape, you're not going to be Chayev, because in each one, it's, it can't generate Tumah, because you need at least a Kibetza to generate Tumah. So what you're doing is, by doing it piecemeal, one grape at a time, you're actually extracting yain that's not tame because it doesn't have the requisite shear to become tame. However, this only works, okay, if you hold that the, when the grape becomes tame, that the yain is distinct from the, act, the juice is distinct from the actual grape. Like if you said, let's say, that the grape was this tame sack, but the contents were not tame, so that's the only way that this works. That's what the Gemara says. Alma kasafir mashkin mifkat pigidi. The only way this works is if you hold that the juices inside said grapes are like juice inside a sack, a container that do not right that do not take on the tuma of that container. Laemas kametame. When does the juice of grapes therefore ever become tame? Lachisachet lahu. It only becomes tame by association and touching the grape as it gets squeezed out. But But at that point, that would only be doing true if you're doing this mass squeezing. But if you're doing it one grape at a time, then you don't have enough of a shear to contract tuma. And in fact, the liquid, which is the wine, can be tar even when you're using tummy grapes. Amazing. Gemara therefore says, though, however, Why is it saying, right? Why is it saying, A kabeza itself would also be good. Why? Because we learned in Mishnah Taharis. Let's say a person was very, very tame. He, he, had a, he, had a, he was an avatuma from a tamei maize. And he's squeezing grapes. Wow. He could squeeze a kabeza mechuvenis, means a precise kabeza, not less than a kabeza, but an actual full precise kabeza, he could actually squeeze it out. Because again, in order to generate tuma, you need to have at least a kabeza. Um, in order to become Tameh. So the question is, why is Rabbi Yochanan saying that it has to be less than a Kibetza? It could even be an actual Kibetza. Says the Gemara, Hasam di'evid ha'cha Right? This is how we say bid'evid. This is, we see like the exact way that you're supposed to say that. The i'avad. I'avad means that you, it was already done. So one is bid'evid, one is l'chatchila. Why would you not want to allow the squeezing of a full because once you, you know, right, uh, once you're going to allow a full kibetza, so then you're going to possibly even go overboard and squeeze out more than kibetza, you'd ruin the whole thing by making the whole thing tame. Okay. Now, Rav Chista is disagreeing with this whole concept, 11 lines down, I'm going to give it all in Rabach. Who's going to listen to you and your great teacher of Yochanan regarding this? What are you talking about? Tame grapes make tahar wine? Have you gone mad? The, the grapes are actually encasing the, the grape juice. Where is the grape juice coming from? From tame grapes. And you're gonna say that the grape juice is tahar? How? So the Gemara is interjecting here. The reason why Rav Chist is so nonplussed, Alma kasavar mashkin mivabli, because he simply looks at the physical reality differently. He sees whatever juice is in the grapes is part of the grapes, mivlavli, right? It's swallowed in the grapes. And therefore, he doesn't see a grape as just this sack that contains liquid that has nothing to do with it, but he sees it as all one holistic thing. 
And if you view it that way, then certainly if the grapes are tame, then the inside moisture, so to speak, the inside juice is tame as well. That's why Rav Chista was so adamant about this. Okay, however, Rav Acha Bar Avia thought that this was not necessarily true. You don't hold that liquids are considered to be a suspended independent part, portion within the grapes. And we already learned in the Mishnah that we just quoted before. That the, the, the Mishnah itself had said, right, with regards to Tamei Mace that we just quoted now, that mechuvenes kavetsa, even if you have a kavetsa, that, and it's squeezed by somebody's tummy mace, that those juices are going to be tar. So how, how do you explain it, if not for the fact that it's mifkat pocket, right? As the Gemara says, If you hold that the liquids are distinct contents, so then that makes sense, that Mishnah. Why would they be tar if you see the physical reality as you do, that they're considered part of the grapes? So that Rav Chist has an answer for as follows, Now, the reason why those grapes in that Mishnah of the Tmei squeezing them are going, that juice is going to be kosher is because what? The fruit itself, right? Even though it, it's Tamei, his touch isn't going to contaminate further, not the fruit or the juice. Simply, you're talking about case where the grapes were not hukshru, as we know. In order for a solid to be able to become tame, it has to be mukshru l'kabal by a liquid. So le'emas miskashre, when did the grapes become susceptible? Because obviously, ultimately, they were considered tame. L'chi sachet lehu. Ah, they became susceptible to tuma when he squeezed them. And ki sachet lehu batir shi'ura. As soon as he squeezed them, Right, they became less than the kibetza. So even though now they're mukshir lakabel tuma, they can't actually themselves become tame. Okay, so therefore, fine. So the, so even though it's 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 a single entity, right? That's how the juice can become tame with the fruit. But right, when he squeezes it, but less kashir, it's not. The chizah says because if you're not going to give this shot. That the great that the liquid is absorbed within the within the grapes ha tanya ha dome. Then you're going to have a problem with the following brisa. The brisa says, "What is this case of chametz?" And we bring it back to chametz and truma. To what case is it uh, similar to Back to the mulberries, right? Because when we talked about the mulberries, we said You might recall that we said that the reason why there was a gazera with regards to the mulberries, that you're not allowed to use it, right, to, to eat it, and you're also not even allowed to use it, unlike, let's say, chametz that's made out of something else that's flammable, right, the, the, uh, these mulberries were not even going to let you use as flame. Why? Because they don't burn, right? And because they don't burn, we're afraid that you're going to use it, and, and the coin is, is going to consume uh, tame grapes, uh, tame berries. So we say, ha nami But according to you, the coin should be allowed to eat it. Why? Incredible. If you had this trick that you could do, where you do it piecemeal and you do one at a time and you avoid tumah altogether, so then why can't you bring the mulberries to the coin? Why can't you bring the coin berries? Again, we said you can't use it for achila and you can't use it even for firewood. Well, he could use it not only for firewood, he could even, let's say even you can't use it for firewood. You could use it for achila. Just use the trick. Use the kabetza kabetza trick. And, you, and you'll avoid tumma altogether. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe he could theoretically do that, and maybe you're even right. But you know what? When you get these beautiful berries, juicy berries, maybe he's just going to fall apart and not do it properly and end up eating it. So I'm like, Are we really concerned that he's going to do that? We say that when you have bread and shaman that's tame, that we're not afraid to give that to the coin, and the coin can, in fact, use that for firewood. To which Rabbi responds, When you have contaminated tame bread and wine, uh, rather bread and oil, you put that in a disgusting little warehouse and that's good enough. But in contrast, right, these grapes are never, these berries are never repulsive. You don't have a place to put repulsive grapes. They're always juicy and delicious. And therefore we're concerned if we give it to the Kohen, even though theoretically he could squeeze a piecemeal and avoid Tumah, he's going to not be used, he's going to have no place to put it. Um, and, and therefore, because he's going to have no place to put it to avoid it, he might turn it into a smoothie and transgress. And so we stop here, seven lines up from the bottom of Lam Gimel and Bez.